you're listening to Irish Radio Canada at home and abroad and the School of Irish Studies at Concordia this semester and next semester will be featuring a course called The Irish Troubles in Film and TV and um, that, that is going to be presented by Dr. Patrick Brody and Dr. Brody is uh, he is a post uh, an FRQ SC Postdoctoral Fellow in the Department of Art and History and Communications at McGill and a scholar in research or sorry, a scholar in residence in the School of Irish Studies at Concordia and he's received his PhD in Film and Moving Image Studies from Concordia. His current research unravels the environmental geopoints of global data and energy infrastructure and he is completing a book project called Wild, Wild Tides Media Infrastructure and Financial Crisis in Ireland. And uh, that would be something that we will definitely want to come back and talk to Patrick about. But today, we're actually going to talk to him about the course, which is the Irish Troubles in Film and TV. Patrick, thanks a million for taking the time. A fascinating topic. A fascinating topic. Um, And, uh, you know, there's so many different aspects to film and TV, um, that we're all familiar with and also there's so many different aspects of how TV and cinema are used to present uh, images and I use image and and stories in that they can be um, vaguely true they can be completely true they can be vaguely false and they can be totally false so um, Irish the Irish troubles in film and TV what got you hooked or What's the inspiration? Um, well, you know, as uh, thanks for the introduction, because uh, and as you said, you know, my PhD comes from is in film studies. Um, my master's was also in film studies. I did a undergraduate degree in film production, but I started, you know, kind of doing the more humanities side of things when I studied abroad in Galway. Um, as an undergraduate, actually, back about a decade ago. Um, and I studied at the Houston School of Cinema in Galway um, and, you know, was kind of just really interested in, you know, this way of kind of, you know, studying the social, political, uh, economic, especially implications of uh, film and media. So, you know, back then I actually wrote one of my first papers while I was there on uh, on the film Hunger by Steve McQueen, mm-hmm. which is a... Uh, you know, quite a, you know, experimental sort of film on uh, the hunger strikers, and uh, you know, uh, specifically Michael Fassbender playing Bobby Sands. Um, and so, yeah, I, I have had a kind of interest in it for quite a while. You know, my, my background is more kind of a more historical overview of um, Irish film studies. You know, I this term I'm teaching a class that's kind of a, a, the survey course that sort of leads into the more specified topic of uh, the Irish Troubles um, in cinema. So, yeah, that's sort of like my background in researching this stuff and sort of where the uh, where my knowledge of these things sort of comes from. So would you then, Patrick, kind of say that for this particular course, the talk is going to start ticking in 1969 and um, finish in at, at around the time of the Good Friday Agreement, or would you um, set the stage a little in advance of that as regards where things might have come from. Yeah, so, you know, I'm lucky to be teaching in the Irish Studies Department, so a lot of 
a lot of students will have a, at least a little bit of familiarity on on Irish history. Um, so I won't necessarily, you know, have to go all the way back to, you know, 800 years of colonization or whatever. But, uh, you know, I can, you know, I'll obviously have to give a sort of overview, kind of a set of conditions, um, especially for the film study students that will be taking the class. Um, but, yeah, for the most part, I'm sort of looking at, you know, the earliest depictions of the conflict, um, you know, which sort of start to emerge, you know, uh, yeah, like late 60s, early 70s. But then, you know, the class kind of goes through, you know, the different ways that the conflict has been represented. But then sort of um, the last unit of the course will actually be uh, peacetime, you know, post Good Friday Agreement uh, to kind of get a sense of how things are being reinterpreted, um, you know, post Good Friday Agreement. So, uh, you know, showing films like Dairy Girl or showing, you know, media like Dairy Girls, uh, which obviously very much confronts, you know, the uh, the period of the conflict as well as, you know, the start of the peace process, um, kind of shows the everydayness of life, you know, during the conflict, which I think is really, really important, and especially as a kind of interpretation today. Um, and then, you know, showing films like uh, there was a film with Jackie Chan a couple of years ago called The Foreigner uh, that where Pierce Brosnan kind of plays this uh, Jerry Adams type character, you know, and very much models his performance off of Jerry Adams, but it takes place, you know, today. It was uh, came out in 2017. And there's a sort of strange interpretation of the continuity of, you know, uh, the IRA within, you know, contemporary pol- like political uh, formations and it's used as the backdrop for what's essentially just an action revenge movie starring Jackie Chan. So, you know, there's these different sorts of ways that, um, you know, I'll be kind of tip bringing things up to the present in terms of how the conflict is still being represented today. Um, and again, reinterpreted. And when you say how the conflict is still being represented, conflict implies there's two sides to a story. Yeah. That are not in, that are not in agreement with each other. So media, uh, TV and film, uh, obviously then would be presenting mm-hmm. the different sides and how they are presented very much depends on which side is presenting because one side is going to be the good guy and they're seeing the others as the bad guy and vice versa. Did you find that there was more of one than the other? Yes, yeah, and it's actually something that I've been struggling with as I as I kind of finalize a lot of the course materials, you know. Um, there's obviously a lot of writing that focuses on, you know, kind of both sides of the conflict, you know, the kind of loyalist communities, um, you know, where they see themselves in, uh, you know, both, again, the past and the future of NI and Ireland uh, more broadly. But it's, it is quite hard to find sympathetic media, um, you know, for whatever reason. I'm not going to comment on that, but it's, it's hard to find media that is ultimately sympathetic towards these things. So, um, you know, a lot of the stuff that I'm relying on is going to be kind of documentary materials, uh, kind of uh, more academic reading sort of things than media. Although, you know, there are some, uh, you know, kind of British film and television that depict the conflict specifically that, have obviously less sympathetic portrayals of the nationalist cause, um, while not necessarily, let's say, you know, commending the loyalists or commending the, uh, you know, the 
police forces or the military, but, um, you know, that kind of show at the very least, um, you know, uh, nationalist organizations and Republican organizations as the bad guys, you know, whether it says kind of unproblematized terrorist or, um, you know, criminal organizations or whatever. So um, there, there are a few films that kind of uh, that show that. But then obviously, just as I'm sure a lot of people will know, there's a lot of very sympathetic and at least very kind of um, nuanced portrayals of, uh, of the conflict that tend to focus more on the, uh, on the Republican nationalist side. Would it be reasonable then to assume that part of the reason for that would be that when you cross the Irish Sea, that the audience on mainland England, Scotland, Wales, would not have the same interest so that if something hits the cinema uh, in London or in Glasgow um, or in Cardiff, it would not necessarily have the same appeal as something that will hit the screen in Belfast or Dublin. Yeah, absolutely. You're, um, you're absolutely right. It's, and again, this is something that I'm going to try to get into with the course is the way that it, um, you know, I'm currently teaching a Irish cinema survey course, and a lot of it's about exactly this as well, that the reception of, you know, Irish cinema on the other side of the, of the sea, you know, whether you're looking at, uh, you know, the other side of the Irish Sea or the other side of the Atlantic, you know, it's, um, you're looking at very, very different audiences and very different kind of appetites for different kinds of portrayals of Irish subjects. Um, and, you know, obviously the, the conflict is very much a, uh, you know, the, I remember I was reading for the, for the Irish cinema class where I'm showing the one that shakes the barley, um, you know, reading an article that just came out in the Irish Times a couple of months ago about the controversy of that film's reception in Britain in 2007 because mm-hmm. of the way that it portrayed, um, you know, obviously the, the Irish Revolution and the Civil War and how this was a sort of willful you know, and continuing uh, kind of prejudice towards certain views on these conflicts from the from British audiences, especially more conservative British audiences. So these sorts of things are something that I'm really going to get. You know, obviously you have to talk about them when you're when you're talking about uh, media portrayals. Um, so I'm going to try to get into these reception contexts and what the audience, you know, what audiences kind of. Uh, we're seeing what they were reacting to and, you know, how this kind of affected what sorts of films and television got made and continues to get made um, about these sorts of things. Because a lot of times, you know, the, some of these films, especially the more politically orientated ones, had a lot of trouble, you know, because they have to toe the line because it's still such a, you know, obviously a firebrand issue. Mm-hmm. So then is were you able to find much that would have been reflective of cooperation between the communities or is that a subject that is just not really saleable when it comes to the big screen yeah yeah i i mean i would actually love to hear if anybody has found you know again like big screen portrayals of these sorts of things um in the you know peacetime part of the class you know i found a lot of documentaries you know kind of youtube things uh stuff really small scale media made by like community organizations for example, that are doing cross-community work. Mm-hmm. Um, that is, you know, obviously something that's important to pay attention to and that I'll, I'll be showing in the class. But um, it's it's a tough 
you know, and you wonder if it's just something that, you know, either doesn't suit itself to, uh, you know, a kind of narrative because obviously, you know, narrative loves conflict as they say in film school. So it's, you know, it's a lot easier to portray the conflict in these very binary ways that it's one side against the other. Um, and I think we're seeing some slightly more problematized versions of that, uh, you know, the, the farther we get away from the peace agreement, but, um, it's, uh, there hasn't been a whole lot that sort of addressed that in a really sort of rigorous way yet. Um, and again, I would love to hear if anybody's got suggestions. Yeah. And I, I know, I suppose, the one that I found to be the most interesting in that context would have been the journey. Um, yeah, of course, yeah. Because it certainly um, presented a different side of two people who each side would have perceived very differently. Yeah. Yeah, sorry, I'm looking at my list of films here, and I have I have that on here as a kind of secondary showing, but maybe that would be something I should foreground a little bit, um, you know, as, again, something that sort of shows both sides in a much more, you know, kind of uh, interactive way as opposed to sort of as a binary. But, yeah, yeah, as, as against uh, the good and the bad here were a, str- a struggle to find the solution. Uh, And and as I said, there's not, I I can't recall an awful lot out there that would be in that kind of a category. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, So um, then when it comes to um, the cinema side of it, you mentioned the the going across the water, and I found it interesting you commented upon the Atlantic Mm. and how important, in a way, and I guess uh, one could argue, the term propaganda gets used when it comes to cinema and that maybe the Irish are more adept at propaganda when it comes to getting the message to North America. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, obviously there's the, uh, you know, the diasporic connections that continue to, um, you know, sort of support and feed, you know, uh, elements of the national struggle, you know, both across history and today. So it's like, I think you're completely right. And this is something that I, that, you know, in Irish film studies talks about a lot is the ways that these sorts of early diasporic connections, um, you know, from early cinema to, you know, things like the quiet man were really, you know, it was these visions from across the Atlantic that were actually sort of feeding back into Ireland, right. You know, kind of the way that people were even seeing themselves, uh, depicted on screen. So I think that that's, you know, I think there's some, there is a sort of feedback loop with the conflict as well that where, you know, obviously it was, things were, you know, very much, uh, different and very complicated on the ground, but in the ways that it was interpreted in Ireland and outside of it was kind of this part of this feedback loop of, you know, um, at a point where, you know, sort of media saturation, there was a lot of news coverage, there's a lot of, you know, documentary images coming out of, uh, you know, about the conflict at a certain point, and this was very much feeding how people saw it, right? Um, and I do think that that in its own way creates a sort of feedback loop mm-hmm. about the ways that, um, you know, the conflict is sort of historicized and interpreted still. Um, so I think that that's, yeah. I mean, propaganda is a is a bit of a tough term in my field, but I think that it's it's an interesting one uh, in terms of the way that um, you know these things have sort of circulated worldwide, and the way that you know certain sympathies have been built up um, on either side as well. So yeah. Yeah, and and where I'm thinking of, of course, is that if 
as it turned out within the Northern Ireland conflict, where um, the U.S. participation in brokering peace became so important that in order to engage and educate, that cinema particularly would have played a part, a large part. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Um, and because, you know, I think the the 90s, especially the early 90s, were, you know, when the, uh, you know, filmmakers like Jim Sheridan and uh, Neil Jordan were coming up and, you know, Irish cinema was kind of being put on the map in a more global sense by these uh, big name directors, they were making films about, you know, the conflict, right? Mm-hmm. You know, in the name of the father from 1993, as well mm-hmm. as the crying game as well. Um, which again, and these are complicated portrayals, right? You know, it's, it's obviously one side against the other, but they both also, you know, coming from Irish directors are interpreting the conflict in these ways that are not, uh, necessarily one side good, one side bad, right? Um, that I think we're also probably feeding into the sense that, you know, uh, people were fed up and ready for a solution um, at this time. And, uh, again, these films showing in the U.S. very much could have had an effect on that. Um, you know, these things are hard to measure. But it is interesting to see that there's quite a correlation in these more complex portrayals of things um, and, you know, the 1990s and U.S. involvement in the peace process. So bringing things up to today where there are still many unresolved issues, and I know that um, – film and documentary and efforts are made to um, keep the, the focus on trying to resolve some of the, the long-standing issues. And I'm thinking here in terms of the Miami massacre, uh, where I know Stephen um, Travers does tremendous work in trying to keep that alive to get some degree of resolution. In the longer term, do you see then that using film, TV, uh, as an ongoing means of resolution and bridging of gaps as a positive or a negative? Yeah, I, I mean, it's, it, again, uh, I always sort of come back to this conclusion when talking about, uh, you know, the conflict and, con- and media about the conflict is it's, it's complicated. You know, like I think it is really fascinating to see what's happening with documentaries these days, um, you know, sort of addressing uh, and, you know, trying to seek, uh, um, what's the word, you know, trying to seek some form of justice for victims of the conflict, right? You know, truth, reconciliation processes and the role that documentary is playing in this, right? You know, films like Unquiet Graves, obviously being quite a quite an important part of this, um, you know, and then obviously you have, um, you know, even like the Netflix distribution of a film like the Miami Showband Massacre, right? You know, these things are becoming, uh, there's, again, it's part of this sort of reinterpretation process that I'm noticing and that I'm going to try to, you know, bring, uh, bring students up to speed to in this class. Uh, and I think that there's, there's a role for filmmakers and especially documentary to play in these sorts of reinterpretation processes and even in this sort of, you know, process of digging up evidence and sort of trying to find justice for victims of the conflict. Um, but I do think that it is these discourses are always quite troubled, right? Because in many ways that, you know, digging up and kind of re you have the risks of re-traumatization, you have the mm-hmm. risks of, you know, sort of stirring up old um, 
resentments. But I think that as you can, you know, as you can see in a lot of these documentaries and the, their reception and what they have done towards, you know, finding truth and, you know, kind of achieving certain forms of justice, I do think it's quite important. And it's, you know, it's something that for me is really interesting to study. Um, and I think that it's, it's something that we're going to continue to see over the next few years as, um, you know, as some of these cases, uh, you know, sort of reach the courts and kind of gain, gain momentum and gain steam. So, Patrick, when someone signs up for the course, uh, you're going to present them with a list of, not books, videos. <laughs> I, I assume that they will, they will be um, suggested that they watch before each particular lecture so as that on week one they should have watched two or three and then worked their way through. Uh, how big a list have you ready for them? So I'm staring at my at my preliminary list here and I think we've got see probably close to twenty films and a bunch of bunch of T V shows on top of that as well. Um right. And I, you know, there will be readings because, you know, I can't just, you know, do all the work contextualizing these things. I do hope the students will read. Um, and they'll have opportunities in class to watch a lot of it as well. But yeah, there will be a fair bit of, uh, watching films and watching media outside of class in lieu of, you know, readings in some weeks because, you know, especially with things like documentaries, yeah. they sort of do a lot of the work, you know, the work for me a bit. So, um, we'll definitely be leaning on, leaning on the media here a fair bit. But. And what type of uh, interest are you seeing so far in the course? Well, I mean, it's it's still months away. We've got some students uh, registered. Um, been trying to kind of sell it in my current class. You know, like I will be offering this next, co- you know, this course next term. So, um, yeah, it's it it seems like it could be. Um, it, it seems like it could be well attended. It seems like there's there should be some some interest in it. Between it's good that it's cross listed between film studies and Irish studies as well, because that means that we'll be getting people from you know kind of each boat right coming in. So and is there a, an opportunity for distance learning? Mm-hmm. Well, actually, I sh- I should put an asterisk on that. As of right now, yes. Um, it all depends on the university procedures and guidelines as as we go forward um my class this fall is both remote and in person okay um you know so there's the opportunity to watch remotely or to uh, attend in person um and the way things are going it looks like this course will probably be the same but there is a chance that the university kind of pivots one way or the other so Right, right. Do you want to put an asterisk on that? Um, well, where I'm coming from is as a mature student who's not registered in, in any university anywhere, and if it was a kind of a course that I was interested in um, enhancing my education on, would it be possible for someone like me to register and just participate remotely? Yeah, yeah. Again, if it as long as things keep going the way they are, and there will still be these kind of two ways of two ways of attending the class, then absolutely. Um, I have a few you know, kind of uh, auditors and mature students in my in my class right now, and they're able to, you know, uh, be there remotely, access all the films and materials. So right. should, th- this one should be the same. Again, big asterisks because it's a weird time. And, uh, you know, COVID kind of has this way of throwing a wrench in all of our plans. So, And what you're working on, um, the infrastructure media, the Wild Tides Media Infrastructure and Financial Crisis in Ireland, where are you at on that project? So that that comes out of my dissertation research, um, which is completed. Uh, 
So it's just a matter of turning that dissertation into uh, a book, um, which requires a fair bit of revision. Um, you know, I'd say I'm probably quarter of the way through the revision process. Um, so, you know, I'm hoping to have that out for review, um, at least by the end of this academic year. Okay. Um, you know, the, the timelines of academic publishing are quite long. So it might be a couple of years before it's seen, you know, at which point, you know, uh, new things will have happened. And, you know, the, Ireland is still feeling the effects of the financial crisis in various ways. Um, so I hope that it's still still relevant by the time it actually comes out. <laughs> well, it's one I know, as I said in the intro, it's one I'd be fascinated in uh, as you get closer on that and it gets to the point of publication talking to you about that. Um, it, uh, but uh, I'm going to wrap up here, Patrick. It's been fascinating chatting and, uh, you know, the, the course, uh, as you outlined it, uh, it's the kind of one that certainly would whet my appetite. And I just say, you know, the great thing about something like this is uh, one you can do without having to necessarily get a bundle of books and plow through them that you can get a, bung- a bundle of I- either head on Netflix or go out and get the DVDs and yeah. sit back and yeah. be educated. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's always, you know, I, I still love taking a film class or auditing a film class because, you know, it's still enjoy watching movies. You know, I've got three degrees in film, so. <laughs> Fantastic. Patrick, thanks so much for taking the time. Yep, thank you so much for having me on.